It doesn't surprise me that after nearly 40 years of ministry, Pastor Mike Goldsmith has learned some important lessons to share about leadership. I hope you're ready for 20 minutes of great content as Mike Goldsmith, the pastor of the Ridge Church in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, shares his top five leadership lessons with us. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Rick Shields, your host and the director of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network. I'm pleased to have Pastor Mike Goldsmith join me on this episode. He and his beautiful wife, Kim, are the founders and pastors of the Ridge Church in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Mike has been a student of leadership and influence for most of his adult life and agreed to share with us the top five leadership lessons he has learned in his nearly 40 years of serving in pastoral ministry. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, Rick, thanks for the invitation. I'm honored and looking forward to this time together. Well, I mentioned a moment ago that you and Kim founded the Ridge Church in Broken Arrow. Now, how long ago has it been that you started that church? We started the church in in the fall, September 2017. So we're coming up on our sixth anniversary, and we started with a very small group of people, about 35 to 40. And today we're averaging right at 200. So, you know, we're we're not setting world records, but we're very pleased with where we are. And a growing church, even after we've been through COVID, when you know yes. most churches are have not been growing, they've been declining, if anything. So it's, that's an amazing thing. Before we get too far into the conversation, tell us about the Ridge Church. Is there a certain demographic you hope to reach? What's unique about the church? How do we find it if we want to visit in person or visit online? So what I think what makes us unique is our goal is to be a what I call a family reunion church. You know, there's a lot of studies that you need to target a, a particular demographic, but we've just chosen not to do that. We want Sunday morning to feel like just a big family reunion. And then we offer ministries either during the week or Sundays, some other time where are more targeted, more age specific, like a youth ministry, a young adult ministry, preschool ministries. So I think that's one of the unique things. And I think our size allows us to really build relationships. People feel very comfortable when they're there. They feel like they're known. One of the comments we get is, I don't feel like I'm a face in the crowd. I feel like I'm known and I feel like there's a way for me to become known and to build relationships. And that's always a huge compliment in my eyes. There's several ways you can find us. If you go to YouTube or Facebook, we're The Ridge at BA. We also have a website, theridge.online www.theridge.online. And so, so where are you guys at? You're in Broken Arrow, East Broken Arrow. On East Broken Arrow, because we saw that as a huge opportunity that there aren't a lot of churches on the east side of Broken Arrow, and yet that's where everything is growing because of the proximity of the turnpike. Broken Arrow has grown everywhere it can go. Going south, it runs into the Arkansas River. Garnett becomes Tulsa. So there's just a lot of momentum east, and we chose. We just felt like that there was a huge opportunity, which is turning out to play out the way that we hoped. Hey, you told me that you have a list of the top five leadership lessons you've learned. Did you learn them early on in ministry, or did it take a while for you to develop that list? So some of them were early on. I picked them up really quick because I started off in youth ministry, and I was doing that for 10 years. So some of them were pretty quickly learned from trial and error and from hitting brick walls, but others of them have developed over time of just watching and leading and seeing how things progress. Will you share the list with me? 
So I'm going to walk through these with you. The first point on the list is that the biggest leadership challenge any of us faces is ourselves. Now, help us understand what you mean by that. So what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of time leaders are constantly looking outward and they're developing their volunteers, they're developing their staffs and so on and so forth. And all that's necessary. But really, at the end of the day, the biggest leadership challenge of all is each one of us. And, And I'll just give you a few biblical examples. When Abraham was at his best, he could become the father of nations. He could be a trailblazer. He could trust God and follow, not knowing where he was going. But when he didn't pay attention to himself, when he was at his worst, he lied about his wife on two different occasions, was almost willing to give her to another man. He he just wasn't at his best. Another one is David. When David was at his best, he led the nation. Well, he unified the nation, the tribes into a nation, and they reached almost the apex of everything Abraham had promised. It was the glory days of Israel. But when he wasn't paying attention, when he wasn't leading himself, he was capable of adultery, of committing murder, of a conspiracy. And then one one more that I'll throw in there is, is Moses. When Moses was at his best, he could lead, scholars say, somewhere around 2 million people out of Egyptian captivity, move them across the Red Sea and towards the Promised Land. But when he wasn't paying attention to himself, he disobeyed God, hit a rock a second time instead of speaking to it, and cost himself the promised land. We can be our own best friend, but we can also be our own worst enemy. And the biggest leadership challenge is paying attention that I'm healthy and in a place to lead. That's good. I like the second point, too. You said there's no such thing as a dead end. I think that's going to be helpful for a lot of us to think about. Tell us about that. Yeah, that one came early on. So I mentioned that I was a youth pastor for 10 years. And so back in those days, you know, we weren't given a budget. The church didn't budget the youth, or at least the church I was at. You had to raise your own funds. You had to pretty much do everything. And so I had to figure out really quick, how am I going to do that? And and I did. I was in Salem Springs, Arkansas, not a large town, but we grew that youth group from 25 to over 400 I had raised a large enough budget to have two part-time secretaries. It just served me well that, you know, if we accept that there's dead ends in life, then it shuts us down. There's no creativity. We're not looking for opportunity if we believe we've hit a brick wall. And let me share one that was huge, and that was when I was leading the assembly. The assembly had 40 acres of property, and they wanted to relocate. They also had a pretty large daycare and a Christian school. So every time we would design a building that would give all of that room to grow, it was an astronomical amount, $20 million or something for a church running 800 to 1,000. So every time we would design what we could afford, we had a new building and no room. So again, it was that whole no dead end. There's got to be a way. God's got to have a way. And ultimately what transpired was the church was in downtown Broken Arrow and First Baptist Church was in downtown Broken Arrow. First Baptist had relocated to a better location, but they still had their building. And they were very committed to debt-free. So we came up with a plan, met with them, that we would sell our building to them. They would buy our old building. We would pay them the difference. It would give them cash for their next project. And it would give us, it it was a much larger building. It gave us plenty of room to grow. And in fact, today, that that became the bridge to the whole relocation. And today, the school is still downtown. But the church meets both downtown and at the campus that we built. So for me, 
when I mean no dead ends, it doesn't mean there won't be struggles and it doesn't even mean it will turn out the way you want, but it does mean there's always a way because, you know, we, we believe that God will make a way where there is no way. We say that, but we don't always live that. And so I've tried to make that a mantra in my life and, and embed it into the staff around me. You know, we talk about thinking outside the box, which is exactly what you had to do when you're talking with these folks at First Baptist. But sometimes we try to think outside the box while we're inside the box. There's a great quote I love about Henry Ford that uh, when he created the automobile, it met a huge need. It took off and became crazy. But he says this. He said, if you'd asked me before I created the automobile what you wanted or needed, you would have said faster horses. You have to think beyond the way that things are to doing it a way that it's never been done before. To me, if you just keep your mind open to that, then it gives the Holy Spirit leverage to drop all kinds of creativity into your mind. Let me take a moment, Mike, to remind our listeners that feedback really is important to us. If you have a suggestion for a guest or for a topic, let us know. You can drop us an email at info at doorways.cc, and we'll work at incorporating that topic or that guest into our podcast schedule We really do appreciate both your feedback and your input. My name is Rick Shields, and I'm speaking today with Mike Goldsmith, a pastor at the Ridge Church in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Mike is sharing with us his top five leadership lessons. We've already discussed the first two lessons. Number one, the biggest leadership challenge any of us faces is ourselves. And number two, there's no such thing as a dead end. So let's look at the third of the five top leadership lessons you've discovered, Mike. And that lesson is don't become blinded by your own success. That's got to have some good stuff behind it. What's the thought behind that? The thought behind it is that as followers of Jesus, really, none of us are successful without him. And so to kind of keep that in perspective just reminds ourselves, stay grounded and stay grateful, stay humble. I'll give you a story that happened to me. And that is when, when the church was growing, the daycare was growing, the school was growing, everything was growing. Well, our school grew to a point that uh, in addition to feeding the teachers and all the kids, all of the church staff were allowed to to eat there as well. So I'm not a micromanager leader. I give uh, leaders uh, opportunity to have latitude to lead how they think it will work. And, you know, we talk about it, but they just go with it. Our cafeteria had two different lines, one line for staff and employees and one line for kids. Well, I didn't know this. So my girls were young. They were like in fifth grade and third grade. And so I decided, hey, I want to go have lunch with my girls one day. So I'm standing in the line, not knowing. I didn't know about the new rule or how we change things for expediency. So when I get to the line, this lady looks at me and says, you can't eat in this line. And it really took me back. And honestly, I didn't say anything with my outside voice. But inside, I'm thinking, I can eat anywhere I want. I'm the pastor of the church. You know, look at your check. My name is on your check. What what are you talking about? And then she explained to me, we've created two lines. Well, I didn't embarrass myself. And she didn't know. She knew I was a pastor. She didn't know, did not know I had kids in the school. So it was, I'm not here as a pastor. I'm here as a parent, but that's no big deal. I'm free to go to the other line. But it's just that kind of thing. You know, sometimes you see people who are successful and power goes to their head. And then they begin to use and abuse that power in a very, uncomplimentary way. Have we got time for a, a this is a great little story yes, about we have great a southern, southern governor who's running for re-election and the and it's tight. It's a tight race. 
So one day he has five different appearances to make. He starts off in one city for breakfast. He's at another city for mid-morning. He's at a lunch place. Mid-afternoon, he's in a, a fourth place. And then finally, that evening, he's at a big outdoor rally, big southern outdoor rally, banquet table, buffet, all the works. And he's going to the line, and he, and this lady gives him one piece of chicken. And he says, ma'am, I am famished. I, I'm, I'm starved. Is there any way you can make an exception? She said, no, sir. Everybody, I was told everybody gets one piece of chicken. Well, I understand that, but do you think you could just make one exception? She said, no, sir, this is what I was told. And he realizes she doesn't know who he is and says to her, ma'am, do you know who I am? And she says, no, I don't. And he says, I'm the governor of the state. To which she says, well, governor, do you know who I am? And he said, well, no, I don't. She said, I'm the lady who controls the chicken. And so there's always somebody who controls the chicken. And you better be nice to him. Always somebody who controls the chicken. That's that's funny. I like that. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that you're hopeful that by sharing these lessons, it may not take the next person almost 40 years to put them together for themselves. These lessons, Mike, are the result of years of experience come from the school of hard knocks. I wonder if people, do you think people are really able to learn them before, before they're slapped in the face by reality? Yeah, I do think they can. I mean, I think they have to take them to heart and really put it in their spirit, you know, and get it inside themselves. But more than learning, it's you have to internalize them. You know, most of us have gone to lots and lots of leadership conferences, or we've read leadership books or listened to leadership podcasts, and we write down notes and we think, man, that's really good. But we fail to get to that step of internalizing it, that it becomes natural to who I am. It becomes part of me and part of my makeup. And so now these days, when I read something that strikes a note, I really try to write it down or do something that it stays in front of me until it becomes internalized in me and becomes second nature. And I, th I think if we go to that step, then we can skip some pitfalls. We've got to get this stuff inside of us. It's not a matter of just hearing it. It, it has to be somehow internalized and become a part of who we are or the value is very limited. I think your fourth leadership lesson is especially important for us to hear. You say, believe in people to an extreme. What do you mean by that? What brought you to that point? Well, what uh, what I mean by that is just people tend to rise to the level of expectation of the leader. So if the, if the leader is an optimistic, hopeful, I believe in you kind of person, then people tend to rise to that. But if a, you know, a leader is always putting people down and you know, cutting them down, being sarcastic. Well, then, then why try to be better? Why try to do better? Why you're not meeting that leader's expectation? In fact, you are the expectation you're meeting is that you're never going to be good enough or whatever that might be. So, in my opinion, as great a leader as Moses was, you know, he led God's people to freedom. I mentioned that and he led them across the Red Sea and he led them in the wilderness. And I talked about that when he smote the rock a second time, it cost him the promised land. Well, you remember also that when he sent the spies in, they came back and they gave a very negative report. We can't do what God has asked us to do. And so that moment, the whole nation was like, God had said, nobody's going over. It will be the younger mm. generation. So here's where I get this. In my opinion, because that would be overwhelming as the leader. If, if the Lord told you, you're not going to the next level. That's one thing. But then he also says, and the people that you're leading are not going there either. 
it would feel pretty hopeless. But Moses puts all of his energy into the next generation. And it fascinates me. Moses spent the rest of his life getting the next generation ready to go. That's having a high belief in people that even though I'm not going and my peers aren't going, I'm going to set you up for success. And that leads into the next point, which is really important. I want to first review these first four, because I think these are some important lessons, Mike. I'm so glad you shared them with us. You said, first of all, the biggest leadership challenge if any of us faces is ourselves. Secondly, you said there's no such thing as a dead end. Third, we shouldn't become blinded by our own success. And now you just mentioned believe in people to an extreme, which leads into this next point, this about Moses and, and looking forward to the next generation. Your fifth important point is this, put your energy where it matters. Tell us about that. I actually have, when when you invited me to do this with you, I have 17, but I thought we better narrow it down to the top five or we'll be here for days. Or we can come back another time. Yeah, well, if it goes over, well. So (laughs) a lot of times, again, and I've just, obviously what I've done is, is led churches. And, you know, we all know churches, I mean, you can have a lot of great people and a lot of great volunteers, but you can also have people that disappoint you. You can have staff members that don't meet their expectations. You can have people who, you know, fall into sin and and walk away or leave you for whatever reason. And it's really, really easy and tempting to get pulled into the weeds of fighting that. Probably at any given time, somebody is upset with the pastor. 100% 100% of the people are not all right. in, on gameplay at the same time. So one day I was reading Matthew 13, and Matthew 13 is a pretty long chapter, but Jesus starts off by the Sea of Galilee in the morning, and he teaches, I think it's five or six parables back to back. The kingdom of God is like a pearl of great price. The kingdom of God is like a, a fish net in the sea. And I mean, he just teaches and teaches and teaches. And then he leaves. And he goes to Nazareth and he doesn't stay very long because of their doubt and unbelief. He didn't do any miracles, it says, because of their doubt and unbelief. And typically we take that whole section and we kind of segregate it into the teachings of the parables and, you know, the lesson about doubt and unbelief. But one day I was just kind of thinking about that. And I think the Holy Spirit dropped this in my mind. Jesus spent all this time on the front end because it mattered. These people are hungry. Hmm. They want to grow. They want to learn. And Jesus didn't spend very much time in Nazareth because it wasn't going to matter. I mean, he could have done incredible miracles, but their doubt and unbelief was a was a blockage to them, an obstacle. So what I mean by that is we can either spend our time trying to fix people or fix situations that may never be fixable, or we can spend our energy where we get the greatest gain. And I think pastors especially have a tendency to fall into the, I got to fix this. Some things you just can't fix. You just got to leave it behind. Right. And say, okay, that, that is what it is. But I'm I'm going to where I'm going to where the the rewards are. It's almost as bad as the people who say I need to really concentrate on my weaknesses. Well, what a bad idea that is. Why don't yeah. you concentrate on your strengths? Go ahead and build those those weaknesses. Let somebody else take care of those things that you're unable to really tackle. But Absolutely. go ahead and build on your strengths. Mike, this has been great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our podcast and will follow us or subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. And please consider sharing it with a friend. Until next time, this is Rick Shields. And on behalf of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, here's my prayer for you. 
May you have rest when you need it, strength when you want it, and joy when you least expect it. Until next time, may the Lord bless you as you follow after him 